Good morning. My name is Daniel. I am the pastor here at Plaza. I want to welcome you. And again, thank you so much for joining us for Plaza Online. Uh, as it has already been said, we miss being able to see you in person, but we're so grateful for the blessing of technology. You may notice uh, there's a location change. If you've been tracking with us, uh, sometimes we're recording in the office. Now we're back in our sanctuary because we added the music portion back to our service. And there's all kinds of intricacies. And I just want to take a moment to thank our awesome production team. Uh, so go ahead and put some clapping hands in the chat for me and uh, maybe type in there. Thank you, because those guys rock. And uh, right now, they're here being my audience. They get to listen to the sermon, and that's a blessing. But they do a lot of work behind the scenes. So thankful for those guys. So um, as we get ready to dive into the text, I want to invite you to get a Bible if you have one. Luke chapter 2 is where we're going to be. And so if you don't have a Bible, go grab one right now. Um, if you are using, uh, watching on our website, feel free to swipe over and use the Bible there. Uh, but love for you to have a physical copy if you have one. And um, one just quick reminder, we are excited about Christmas Eve. As you heard in the announcements earlier, uh, we're going to have Christmas Eve online, you know, pretty much all day from uh, one in the afternoon till the evening. And so a lot of convenient times, eight convenient times for you and your family, whatever works, to gather around. Um, and so I hope you'll join us. Uh, I hope you'll invite some people um, to, to navigate Christmas Eve. It'll be very different, uh, not what we're used to, but we still believe God is going to work and uh, God is going to speak to you. We've got a special word I want to encourage you with as we prepare for Christmas Day. And so hope that you'll invite somebody, hope that you'll join us as well. In fact, one of the cool things that someone told me about recently is, you know, typically if you invite someone to church, right, a coworker or family member, and you, you give them an invite, that's a one-on-one -on -one invite. The interesting thing about an online invite, it, it becomes one invite actually gets multiplied by 100. Because if you put it on your social media or you send out uh, a text or something like that, um, it reaches so many more people. And so that's kind of an interesting fact that as you share that invite link, uh, people really can um, be blessed by that. So I hope you'll do that. All right, we're in this series called In the Dark Streets Shineth. It comes from an old hymn called O Little Town of Bethlehem. And, and the, the, the verse in that hymn says, In the dark streets shineth an everlasting light. This is part four of this message. Again, we're going to be in Luke 2, and the title of the message is The Missing Peace. As we navigate the four weeks of Advent leading up to Christmas and light the different Advent candles, uh, this um, fourth candle is called the Peace Candle. And uh, so we're going to be talking about that. But just in case you've missed it, we've talked about hope and what is hope. And hope is really this confident expectation that good is coming. It's a confident expectation, not in circumstances to be good, right? We, we said that, listen, when um, January 1st, 2021, that, that the calendar rolls over, that doesn't necessarily mean good is going to come. 2021 is not going to fix all of our problems. But we know that because of the character of God, good is going to come because he's promised good uh, to those who love him or are called according to his purpose. And so hope is that confident expectation based upon the, the character of God that there is good coming to our future. Then we talked about faith, right? And faith really is related to hope because faith gives me power to do the difficult things because of my hope. The Bible says faith is the confident expectation. It's the evidence of things hoped for, the assurance of things not yet seen. And so it allows me to kind of walk through the, the difficult days um, navigating hope. And then uh, last week, my brother Jason, so appreciate him. I hope you did. Uh, Jason did an awesome job and he talked about joy, joy and unexpected 
places. And, uh, and he said it's that extreme happiness related to knowing God. And, um, and then we're going to talk about peace today. But what is peace, right? I was making some coffee for my wife. That's the biblical um, model for husbands, as uh, actually one of our guys was just joking earlier. Hebrews uh, is a book in the Bible. It's a reminder that he should brew the coffee for his wife, is what someone once said. And so I was making some coffee for my wife, and we have this little Christmas um, saucer set. It's, it's got like a little tea kettle and uh, some other things, little plates, and, you know, just pretty Christmas thingies. And, and on there was a Bible verse uh, about peace. And, uh, and I just started thinking about that, you know, and thinking about the definition of peace. What, what actually is the definition of peace? And, you know, um, and, and, and I'm navigating, you know, what, what does that look like and how do we navigate and determine that? And so here's a definition uh, that I've come up with. This is the Daniel Mackey version. Don't uh, send me nasty gram emails if you don't like it. Send those to Donnie uh, Gilmore. I'll give you his email address at the end of this. Just kidding. And, um, <clears throat> but uh, here is this definition of peace. Peace is a state of calm and tranquility when I know my life is complete. Again, it's a state of calm and tranquility when I know that my life is complete. Typically, people will say, you know, peace is the absence of conflict, right? The absence of war and strife, that, that sort of thing. And, um, uh, uh, you know, people might say, for example, um, you know, when warring countries, you know, sign a peace treaty. Um, when quarreling or fighting friends make up, uh, that's, that's what we say about peace. And as I think about this year, I don't know about you, but I have struggled with having peace, right? I mean, this has been a tumultuous year. It has been a rough year. And, um, and, and navigating what is peace, right? Um, and I don't know about you, but, but I have struggled day in and day out. Like there have been times where I've been at peace and there have been other times where I've been fighting God for peace. And, and because I've been worried about all these various things going on. And so I wonder this, you know, why is peace so hard to come by? Um, how can we have peace? How is your peace doing? this year. How's your peace doing right now? Have you thought about those questions? And see, the Bible makes many promises about peace. The Bible says things like this, God will keep us in perfect peace. Now that's an interesting word. It says this in the book of Isaiah, perfect peace, him whose mind is fixed on God, perfect peace. And, um, and then another verse in the New Testament says that there is a peace that comes from God that transcends all understanding. That people who believe in God have this incredible supernatural divine peace that, that you can't explain. And, uh, and it says this peace can come over believers and it guards, it protects our hearts and our minds. And, um, and so the Bible has all kinds of promises about peace. And, uh, and we're going to talk about how can we have peace and what are some of the reasons we lack peace. And so um, the promise really of Christmas, though, this is one of the major promises of Christ coming, God in the flesh coming to the earth is peace. So we're going to look at this passage again, Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. It's actually the exact same passage we read last week. Brother Jason read this, and, and I just want to, uh, you know, kind of go off of what he said uh, last week. He said, you know, sometimes we get to a familiar passage, and we can just be like, oh, I know this story, and we can gloss over it. And so, man, I would ask, 
uh, that wherever you're at, you know, just seated or on a treadmill or in your car, you know, man, ask the Lord to, to reveal something to you as we get ready to read this passage from Luke chapter 2. So we're going to pick it up in verse 8, and we're going to read through 14. Here's what it says, Luke chapter 2. Hope you have your Bible ready. And uh, verse 8 says this. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. Some of you may even memorize that from watching Charlie Brown. Verse 9. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. Verse 10. Of course, this is talking uh, about the uh, shepherds who were out in their field right uh, after, during the birth of Christ. And, and so verse 10 says, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Man, what an incredible passage as we look at this. And again, familiar to us, but I want us just to really key in on verse 14. And, and verse 14 is just saying, right, this army, this heavenly host, this huge group of angels saying, glory to God in the highest. Man, the highest glory. What has happened at Christmas brings God glory. Well, why? Well, notice what it says. On earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. So a couple of things here you can write down, points I want to give you in some ways that we lack peace. Point number one, you can write this down, is this. I lack peace when I'm in conflict with others. I lack peace when I'm in conflict with others. We, we see that the world, right, is thrown into chaos. Our world is in chaos uh, uh, frequently. Uh, I, I, I was just looking and seeing some t statistics about, you know, the, the periods of time where there was actually peace on earth. And it was kind of crazy. And I don't remember the statistic. You could probably Google it while I'm watching this and multitask and you could type it in the chat. I don't know. Um, you know, but, but the, the longest period of, you know, non wars where there was you know no wars between countries is is just ridiculous a short amount of time people have been warring and having conflict with others really since time began since adam and eve ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden of eden were kicked out and 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 the sin began to infect our world conflict arose and conflict with others arose again look at verse 14 Verse 14 reminds us, right, glory to God in the highest and where? On earth, on earth, peace, on earth, peace. There's this promise that peace can come on earth. But do we have peace on earth right now? The answer is no. Can you imagine world peace? Maybe you can, maybe you can. I don't know if you saw that bumper sticker I used to 
see it, it kind of made fun of that idea, like, you know, imagine world peace, and it would say, imagine or visualize world, world peas, you know, like the vegetable, and, um, and so I was just kind of making fun of people who are wanting world peace, but I believe it's something everyone wants, they want conflict to end, and, um, and so, but the reality is, with the coming of the kingdom of God, the second coming of Christ, there will be a complete peace on earth and in heaven. But when we have conflict with others, that's when we lack peace, right? Things are out of order. And I don't know about you, and maybe you're there looking so spiritual on your couch or watching this wherever, right? But, um, man, I have some strife and some conflict in my life. I have strife and conflict with others. I know you don't have any conflict with others. Y'all are so perfect watching at home there. Uh, maybe it's just my house that we have conflict about who takes care of the animals, who cleans up the animals' poo-poo, right? I mean, who is going to clean out the kitty litter, scoop the dog poop, feed the animals? We have conflict about who takes out the trash in our home. Uh, when people do their chores on time, we have conflict about communicating, how one person in the family communicates with another with an attitude and a sucking their teeth uh, and, a, and a eye rolling. We have all kinds of conflict with others um, in our home. We have conflict about um, how much does one spend on Christmas gifts, right? Um, and, and, and how do we communicate about who spends what on Christmas gifts? I know, again, you're, you're just sitting home polishing your halo, waiting for me to get to the next point, right? You don't have these kind of problems in your home. We have conflict about, um, you know, how to discipline the kids. And, uh, I mean, there's all kinds of conflict with others, with our coworkers, with our family, with our neighbors, with our Facebook friends, with Facebook strangers and other social media strangers. Let's just call them strangers because sometimes y'all are arguing and we're arguing with people who we don't even know uh, on social media. There's conflict. You might have conflict with a, a family member uh, because of the way they treat you. Your um, cousin, you know, who is, who is uh, loves and they're, they're great one-on-one, -on -one, uh, but, but man, uh, in public, they just want to be the center of attention, and they, and they just try to get all eyes on them, and they, they like to stay the center of attention by making fun of other people, and, and you become the brunt of their jokes. And, and then when you approach them about it, they, they tell you, oh, you're too sensitive, you know. You may have conflict with your children or your grandchildren. Uh, you may have conflict uh, with your neighbor because of their light show uh, for Christmas or how loud their music is. There is conflict with people. And, um, and we're remembering, right, that... Peace is a state of calm and tranquility, knowing when I know my life is complete. And when we have conflict with others, we're saying something is out of whack. There is a missing piece. Peace is missing, right, from my life because I've got conflict with these other people, the way the nurse treats you, the, the way someone else talks to you. And, and what happens is when we have conflict with others, we usually try to control them. We try to manipulate them uh, to get them to do what we want. That often happens frequently, I know, with me. And, um, and so what happens when we have conflict with others? What do we do about them? Well, when you have conflict with others, I hope you know, uh, I know you already know this, you have to reconcile, you have to restore that conflict. But I just don't want us to think about conflict with others because the reason we have conflict with others, you know the reason I have conflict with people in my family? Is not because of them and they are so bad or they don't do all what they're supposed to. That's not the reason I have conflict. The reason I have conflict with people is because of me. 
I really have the problem. And that's point number two. And so um, you can write this down. I lack peace when I'm in conflict with myself, with myself, not just with others, but my conflict is always caused by the fact that I have an internal problem. I think you should do exactly what I want you to do. And I get upset and frustrated when you don't do it my way. That's my problem. And, and, the, and, and conflict always begins within us. The Bible talks about this. And so I lack peace when I'm in conflict with myself. The Bible talks about this in the book of James, James chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Man, James just offers us, this is written uh, over 2,000 years ago. And look how he just cuts through the human condition. He says this, what causes quarrels? What causes fights among you? In other words, what causes conflict? Is it not this, that your passions are at war, where? Within you, within you. Put that in the chat. (laughs) The war is within me. The war is within me. Go ahead and put that in the chat. It's within me, right? What causes quarrels and fights among you? Is it not this, your passions are at war within you? And then he says this, you desire and do not have, and so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, and so what do you do? You fight. And you quarrel, you do not have because you do not ask. And so James, God is speaking to us through James and he's saying, man, the problem, the reason we have conflict with others is really because we have a conflict in ourselves. We are not happy with ourselves. Man, the problem is inside of me. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Man, it is because I am at war with my passions and, and I am the one struggling Many of us are struggling with guilt. Have you ever noticed that people who are guilty are harping on others? Man, I watch that with my kids. And one of my kids gets in trouble, and they are just nasty with the other ones, right? And, uh, and it's like, don't be mean to your sisters because you got in trouble. And, uh, but, you know, you, you've heard the, the phrase, right, misery loves company, right? And, and miserable people love to make other people miserable. We, some of us are feeling a, a conflict within ourselves because we, we have a loss of control, um, you know, we, we are not controlling the things that are going on around us and you feel a, a lack of control. And so you try to control and manipulate others. And so the conflict is really within yourself because you feel this uh, issue. And so we're not happy with ourselves. There's something bothering us on the inside. And so I take it out on others. And so when we talk about conflict with others, we really got to look at ourselves. I heard the story. Maybe you heard the story about the man in New York uh, who opened fire uh, at a outdoor choir concert on the footsteps of a church in New York City. And the police, praise God, arrested him and took him into custody. And uh, as as I heard the reporting, nobody uh, was injured. But you ask yourself, what is going on inside of a man that he feels the need to attack? a choir that is singing and bringing joy to people outdoors during such a tremendously difficult year. There is something deeply disturbed and unhappy within himself. You, you may have uh, grown up with bullies, right? Bullies have always been around. Bullies when I was a kid, bullies now, online bullies, in-person bullies, right? And, and we always would get told this by our parents is that that bully is really dissatisfied with him or herself. And so if they can kind of keep, um, you know, pushing on people and keep the attention off them, man, that's how they try to get away with stuff. And so the conflict is not within other people. It's really within myself. And so what happens when I have conflict with myself? You know what you need to do? We need to reconcile 
with ourselves, with, man, why am I feeling this way? I, I'm lacking peace right now, right? And remember, peace, again, is a state of calm and tranquility when I know that my life is complete, but we're feeling like things are missing from our life. There's, there's uh, control missing from my life. Uh, there's something else missing. I want this. It's missing from my life, and so I want you to get it for me. You're not doing it. And so we have this missing peace, amen? The reason that I'm in conflict with myself is not all just me. You see, the real reason I have conflict with myself, and this is the third point, you can write this down, is that I really have conflict with God. See, it's not just others, it's not just myself. The real problem is that I have conflict with God. The reason I'm upset with myself is because deep down inside, all human beings know this, whether you grew up spiritual, grew up in church or not, there is something inside of you telling you, um, you shouldn't have done that. Um, uh, you, you, you're, not, you're, you're not making uh, the cut. And uh, this happened with my son the other day. And um, he was supposed to share a piece of sandwich with his sister. There were two pieces. I said, hey, get the other piece to your sister. And, um, and instead, he ate both pieces. And it was quite comical because he just shoved this huge piece in his mouth. It really shouldn't have been comical because it's actually sinful. And... Um, and so he was supposed to give this to his sister. And I just looked at him. I didn't even say anything. I just looked at him uh, after that. And he, he ran and he hid. Why did he run and hid? There was an internal conflict with himself. But his conflict wasn't really with himself. His conflict was really with God. He knew. He knew exactly what he did. He still did it anyways. And then he felt this shame and this guilt for it. Have you ever felt that? Man, I have. And listen, this is really the core of why so many of us lack peace. We can, try to, we can try to solve it, and that's how a lot of people do. We try to ignore all those feelings that have been stuffed inside of us, the shame and the guilt and the pain, and, and we focus on others. Instead of looking at ourselves, we're like, oh, man, look how bad they are. Uh, if you knew my husband, Pastor, if you knew my wife, if you knew my neighbors, you know, and, and we love to take the spotlight off of ourselves and put it on other people, and that's how we try to get away with this feeling of guilt and this problem that I have conflict with God, but that's not addressing the real problem. The real problem is that I need to deal with God. Notice again, back to our verse in verse 14, right? The angels are saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among who? Those with whom he is pleased. Peace is come at Christmas time. God sent Jesus to bring peace to the earth. But that peace that comes from God only comes to those with what? Whom he is pleased. And so the question is, is God pleased with us? The very truthful and real answer is he is not. And we all know that and we feel that at our core and we try to escape it. Right. And, and again, people who are not religious, who are atheists, they try to escape their consciences speaking to them. They try to escape the Holy Spirit, reminding them that, that we have blown it with God. We, we have failed to keep his commandments um, uh, the, and there is sin. Right. And we love to talk about the sin that is in the world, um, the, the sin that's out there. We love to talk about the enslavement of peoples or the trafficking of Humans, we love to talk about the wars out there and the people in the streets and the criminals and all the sin out there. Uh, and we fail to look at the sin that exists right in my heart, 
and in your heart. And that has created a conflict with God. You and I, we have a conflict and a problem with God. And that is truly the source of all, listen to me now, of all of our lack of peace. We don't have peace in our lives because we are not right with God. You say, Pastor, that sounds kind of like difficult news. That sounds like bad news. Well, it is. But the reality is that can be fixed, and that's exactly why God sent Jesus. The beautiful uh, encouragement as we think about our own sin, as we think about our own difficulty, um, is that Christ came to pay for our sins. But in order to receive that gift, we have to acknowledge that first, the sin exists in every human heart, in my, in my heart, as well as your heart. But we love to justify it and, and again, pass it. But there's still that lack of peace in your life and my life. You know it's there. But you uh, and I, we, we gossip and we try to justify that. And gossip is uh, a sin, just like any other sin. Uh, the drinking that went a little too far. The temper that I can't quite control. You know that stuff bothers you and it sets you in an internal state of conflict. You feel like the conflict is with yourself, but it's really with God. The taking of the God-given good gift of, of sex and turning it into lust. Man, these are things that are just happening inside of human hearts, left and right. We all know this at our core, but how do we deal with this? I want to talk with you just for a few moments about the, the words that the Scripture uses for shalom uh, is the first word that is used in the Old Testament. That's the Hebrew word, shalom. You can go ahead and put that in the chat. Type shalom. I need some shalom. Right? You may have heard that word before. It's a typical uh, Jewish greeting. People would say, peace be unto you, or shalom. That is a way to use it. And shalom, check this out. It means completeness. It, it means wholeness or soundness and welfare. And it actually, the root word shalom actually means this. It means to make amends, to make complete, or to make restitution. Actually, it means to reconcile. Isn't that interesting? That in order to have shalom, we need to be reconciled. We need to be made whole. We need to be put back together. That's an interesting concept when you think about it, isn't it? I have these little gifts here uh, because this idea of shalom uh, is, is like oftentimes they even use shalom for like a perfect piece of of masonry stone that doesn't have any cracks in it and hasn't been split into two. That They say that's a shalom brick. Or they talk about if you build a wall. And so this is like my little Christmas gift wall here, if you will. And, um, and uh, I was trying to build a perfect wall. But, you know, if you, if you have a wall, I was thinking about bringing in some Jenga pieces, right? But we had these little Christmas boxes. I figured that would work nice for uh, the week before Christmas. But if, if we take a piece out of the wall, right, you know, there is now missing peace. Amen? And, and this is what happens in our lives, is that our lives are lacking shalom. They're lacking uh, peace because we know that there is something missing. We know that we have sinned and broken God's commands. We know that ultimately we are missing a relationship with God, and we are not whole. We are fragmented and, 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 and uh, beings that, that are not completely put together. And this is exactly what the word means. And so in order to complete the project, you have to put what was missing back. And that's ultimately our relationship with Christ. Uh, and so a lot of times, even in the scriptures, it talks about making restitution, making amends. In fact, in the book of Exodus, it's interesting. In Exodus 22, verse 5, 
it talks about all these different laws about, you know, the ancient agricultural laws. If your donkey does this, your horse hurts someone, you have to make restitution. The word restitution is used in Exodus 22 in every verse in the first few verses. Here's one. Verse 5 says this. If a man causes a field or a vineyard to be grazed over or lets his beast loose and it feeds in another man's field, right? There's conflict, right? Your beast has broken, right, uh, your fence and now went and ate someone else's crops and uh, their crops are their livelihood. Notice what it says. It says, he shall make, what? Restitution. The Hebrew word there is shalom or shalom. He shall make peace. And so peace has this idea that restitution needs to be made. He, he makes restitution from the best of his own field and in his own vineyard. And so, again, if, if, if my animal got out and trampled your crops, I would need to take my crops and, and replace that with it. And so the word has at its meaning to make amends, to be complete, to be reconciled, and to make restitution. Why are you telling me all this, Pastor? Because, again, we're talking about peace, and we're talking about having conflict with God. In order to be right with God, a restitution needs to be made. Amends need to be made. The relationship needs to be restored. Sin damages all of our relationships with God and our, our relationship is separated. It's like this wall, a piece is missing and that needs to be made right. The question is, how can it be made right? What do I have to do? And this is where, listen to me now, this is where Christianity is so different from every other religion because every other religion says, if you work hard enough, you can make your conflict with God go away. If you pray enough prayers, if you do enough good deeds and give to the poor and help little old ladies across the street, sponsor children, if you do enough good deeds, you can make the restitution with God because our sins, listen, our sins have trampled God's field. It has been our passions like a wild ox have trampled the beauty of God and the purity of God. And we have to make restitution. And we think that by doing our good deeds, we can earn God's favor. Remember uh, the verse earlier, right? There's peace on earth among those with whom he is pleased. We think we can please God on our own. But the Bible says even our best works, even my best day and your best day, it's like a filthy rag. Woo! Man, could you imagine trying to clean your house with a rag that's already dirty and filled with grease? My kids have tried that, by the way. You know, they have their chores for wiping the table, and they grab a nasty rag that was used for something else. It's like, yeah, don't wipe the table with that one. But that's what we do with our sins, and we think religion is going to fix it. If I, if I go to church enough, if I watch enough of these sermons online, I will be okay with God. I will be pleasing, and the conflict I have with God will be restored. But that's not what the Bible teaches, folks. I want to be very clear about this. The Bible says that this, you can work all you want and it still won't make the conflict go away with God. Well, pastor, how do I make the conflict go away with God? That's the reason for Christmas. That's the reason why Christ came. He came to make the conflict with God go away. In the New Testament, the, the word uh, for peace is irene. Irene. And again, it has this very similar meaning. It means to make complete. Uh, it actually is, is from the verb, meaning ero, which means to join or to bind together that which was separated. We actually get our word serene from it. You can see that there, right? Sort of irene. Uh, serene is, is taken from that. And, and, and the state of tranquility and calmness because, listen, 
because something is now joined together and bound together. We are not complete on our own, and nothing in this world can give you the peace that you've been looking for. We all look for peace, right? Uh, you're looking for peace. I'm looking for peace. We try to, you know, uh, satisfy that ache inside of our hearts and try to quiet that voice that is telling us we're lacking peace uh, with all kinds of stuff. The world will tell us to have peace, right, and, and security and calmness and tranquility by uh, your income, right? And if you have the right income, then you'll have peace. Uh, the, the world will try to sell you peace by, you know, um, making sure you have a good retirement account. And, and, and you can have peace if you know you have a retirement waiting for you. The world will try to sell you peace by, by saying buy insurance, you know. And, uh, and if you have the right amount of insurance and all this sort of stuff, you're going to be taken care of. Your family will be taken care of. And, uh, and, and that's how you get peace. Uh, the world will tell you that you can get peace by doing a variety of other things, by uh, getting the right type of house or living in the right neighborhood or by getting a family and having children or by having good health and exercising. But how many of you know we have all of those things and we still don't have a peace about our lives because there's something under the current knowing that our conflict is with God. And so how do we uh, make restitution? How do we be pleasing with God? Well, again, it's all because of Christ. I want you to look at this verse, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 13 through 17, tells us exactly how this happens and how to be brought back together, how to have that irene peace to join something together. It says this in verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought what? Brought near. Put that in the chat. Say, I've been brought near. How? By the blood of Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I'm happy to tell you that no matter what you have done, you can have the peace of God. You can have the favor of God. You can, God will be pleased with you, not because of any of the works you have done, but because the blood of Christ made restitution for you. Notice what it says. Those who were far off can be brought near. It doesn't matter how far away you feel from God right now. Oh my gosh, he is calling you. The gift of Christmas is reminding us. It is God's presence saying, I came near because I want you near. The, 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 the thing about God is we have this conflict with him, but God loves you and he went to the greatest cost to send his son, Jesus Christ, and his blood was shed for you to make that payment, to make the restitution for the trampling we had done in God's field. Look at the next part of the verse, right? Verse 14. For he himself is our what? Peace. He himself is our peace. Put that in the chat. He is our peace. Who has, watch this. Notice all the usage of the Greek and Hebrew words here. Who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. There was a wall, right? But he broke down the wall, separating us from God. And it was, and he made us one. With him, he restored that. That's that arene peace. That's the shalom of God. And then the next verse, verse 15, is so incredible. He says this. How did he do it? By abolishing the law and the commandments expressed in the ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in the place of two, so making what? Peace. He made peace. And then verse 16. And how did he make peace? that he might reconcile, there's the word again, he might make restitution. Reconcile means bring back together because there was conflict. He might reconcile us both to God in one body through the what? Through the cross, thereby, thereby killing the hostility. 
Here's the incredible thing. And these verses are mind-blowing. Are you catching this? Are you guys digging this? I hope you got making some notes. Find Ephesians in your Bible that, that God might reconcile us. And, and because of Christ through his death on the cross and he killed the hostility, you and I had conflict with God. And instead of God saying, boom, I kill you because you trampled in my pure field, he, no, he killed the conflict by sending Jesus. Oh, my goodness. The genius of God, the love of God that says, I love my creation, even though my creation has uh, turned away from me, even though my creation has started a war against me, even though my creation has, has, has despised and hated me, I will kill the conflict by killing my son, Jesus. See, Jesus came as this beautiful baby, but he came with the mission. Listen, it wasn't Herod that was the greatest threat to Jesus. It, it wasn't the Jews who killed Jesus when he grew up and became a man. No, that was all part of God's plan to restore us, to bring us peace, that we can be found pleasing in God's sight. You, sir or ma'am, whoever you are, teenager, no matter what you've done, you can be found pleasing in God's sight because Jesus wanted to reconcile you. Then verse 17, right, he closes with this. And he came, this is Jesus, and he came and he preached peace. Peace to who? To all who were far off. Oh my goodness, there it is again. So if you've been far off, Christ is preaching peace to you. He's welcoming you. He's saying again, you, you can't out the grace of God. And so no matter what you have done, I know you say, Pastor, you're, you're a pastor. You don't know the stuff I've done. Listen to me, you don't know my life. <laughs> you don't know where I've been, what I've said, the things I've sought. Uh, of thought and done oh my goodness they are displeasing to God before I was a pastor I lived in the world just like everybody else but I heard the call of Christ when I was far off and he preached peace to me and he said come to me you can have my shalom peace a peace that the world could never give I don't give you like the world I give you a real peace peace to those who are far off and peace to those who are near, he's speaking specifically those who are near to the Jews who had heard the message and had had the scriptures. And he's saying he even preached peace to them. Oh, my goodness. I heard one person say it this way. Jesus took our place. Jesus took our place so that we might have peace. Jesus took our place on the cross, the hostility, so that we could have his peace. I'll close with these last two scriptures. Romans verse 5, 1 says this. Therefore, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me just pause on that verse there and, and hang out there, right? Because he's saying we have been justified by faith. Justified means, right, we try to justify our own sin. And we try to make excuses for what we do and all that sort of stuff. We sweep it underneath the rug and my sin's not as bad as my, my sister's sin and my brother's sin. I, I, I'm, I'm this and I'm that. And we try to squish that voice down. But we know, again, there's that internal pain and conflict. But it says you can be justified in a different way. Not by works. Not by doing good and trying to be uh, uh, all, this, all this stuff, doing it all on your own. Because we can't do it on our own. We don't have that kind of power. We don't have that kind of money in the bank to repay God for the restitution that we owe him. But it says this, we can be justified by faith. That's our belief in God. Justified, I like it as one person said, when you are justified, it's just as if I'd never sinned. Justified by faith. We have peace with God through who? It's all about Jesus Christ. That's why Christ came at Christmas. Verse 2 says this, through him, we have also obtained access by faith. There it is again. Into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope 
of the glory of God. You and I can rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We can rejoice in a future in heaven. Again, that word hope, knowing a confident expectation that good is going to come, not because of ourselves, but because of what God has done. And then to close off, this is the verse I saw on that saucer as I was making the coffee that morning. Romans 15, 13 says this, and this is my prayer over each one of you today. May the God of hope, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and what? Peace in believing. How do you get peace? It comes by believing and receiving the gift of Christ so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Man, don't you want that to navigate these waters? Don't you want to be a person who is abounding in hope and has this rock-solid peace, a state of calm because I know my life is complete? How can you know your life is complete? Listen, when you have Christ, your life is complete. It doesn't matter what kind of health insurance you have. It doesn't matter what your income is. It doesn't matter if you're single or married, young or old, what your health is. When you can have a peace that passes all understanding, you can have a perfect peace because you know that you have all that you need. The shalom is, the picture is fully put back together because you have Christ now. And I'm telling you, that's what changed my life. That's what's changed the life of so many folks in our church. That's what can change your life. And you get that peace by believing. I like to say it this way, by receiving. If you're here and you're watching and you're not a Christian, listen, I'm not talking about religion. Christ didn't come for religion. He came for a relationship. What is required of you? Just like these Christmas gifts, right? And as people are going to be ready to open gifts at Christmas, what do you have to do? I'm, I love that my pastor used to say this all the time. He would say this all the time at Christmas services. I remember clear as day, Pastor Ron Lee, shout out. And um, he would say, listen, there's a Christmas gift for you with your name on it from God. And it's got a label with your name on it. And that gift can sit underneath the tree. The gift was paid for. The gift is wrapped in swaddling clothes in the flesh of Jesus Christ and the cross and the payment of his blood. That gift has your name on it, sir, ma'am. That gift will sit there unless you do one thing. What do you have to do if you want the gift at Christmas? You have to take it and make it yours. It has to be personal. You have to go to that tree and you have to pick up and just receive that gift and open it up and it's yours. That's what it takes to become a Christian. That's what it takes to be reconciled back to God, to have him pleased with you. You go to the tree. What tree? The cross. You go to the foot of the cross and you receive Jesus Christ into your life as your Lord, as your boss. And man, you get filled with the grace and the forgiveness of God. All you got to do is receive it and open it up. It's that simple. The Bible says, repent and believe. And by going to the tree, that means I'm going God's way. I'm not going my way anymore. I'm going to the cross. If you would like to do that and, and you're here and you're watching and you're not yet a believer, you haven't stepped across that line. Because again, we're not talking about religion. We're not talking about going to church or watching sermons. We're talking about you having a real relationship with Jesus Christ, the maker who loved you, who went to the cross so that you could have the peace of God. You can do that by repeating a simple prayer. Again, there's no magic words, but I'd invite you to pray this with me. And so right there, wherever you're at in your living room, you can repeat it out loud. You can repeat it quietly. But you would say something like this, dear Jesus, go ahead. If you know that God's speaking to you, just say that, dear Jesus, I admit I don't have peace. I admit I don't have peace. And I know that's because I have sinned against you. I know that's because I have sinned against you. Forgive me for my sins. Forgive me for my sins. I believe that you died on the cross for me. I believe that you died on the cross for me. And I believe that you rose again on the third day. I believe that you rose again on the third day. 
Right now, I receive your peace. Right now, I receive your peace. Help me, Jesus, to follow you all the days of my life. Help me, Jesus, to follow you all the days of my life. And I give myself completely to you. I give myself completely to you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, man, we want to celebrate. The Bible says angels are celebrating in heaven. There is music and trumpets and dancing and rejoicing because one of God's children came home. And so we want to celebrate with you. There's a little notification in the chat. You could raise your hand and click to fill out a connection card because we want to be a church that can help surround you. Because, listen, it's not easy navigating the Christian life. It's not easy maintaining that peace of God because the world is going to continue to come against us. But you can continue to have that peace. And so I want you to let us know about it. And then for the believers, as we navigate this week, what do you have to do? Well, it's the same thing that, that the folks who, who just prayed to receive Christ. We need to simply receive the gift of peace. God has given it to us. Maybe a prayer for you this week. Could we all pray this this week? Lord, I receive your peace, right? Lord, I receive your peace. You can put that in the chat right now. Lord, I receive your peace. Would you just say that over and over when you get up in the morning, at lunchtime, midday, on your drive home, when you're sitting in traffic and you're not feeling that peace and you're gripping the steering wheel and you're waving at people with one finger and, um, and you're not telling them they're number one, right? And, and just say, Lord, I receive your peace. When your kids are getting on your nerves from virtual schooling, Lord, I receive your peace. When the bills are, are about to make your mind blow, Lord, I receive your peace. And just say that over and over again. And, and, and fix your eyes on Christ who, who sent his son to be our peace. And so may the Lord continue to bless you and keep you. And may God, the God of hope, fill you with all joy and peace in believing, receiving it. Until next time, we'll see you. God bless.